0: this ministry. This is made possible by other people's generosity and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes it is it is really great to be back. It, it feels strange too, because I'm like I'm not even used to this anymore. So. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, if you're joining online, uh, I'm Pastor of Mosaic Church, and this is our first in person service in quite a while, and we are so pumped about this. We're starting actually Good Friday this Friday. We're going to do a service here. It's going to be pretty intimate. We're going to do an acoustic thing. It's going to be pretty unique, and so if you can come out for that, we, obviously, if you're on live stream, you can do that as well. Join us live stream, but we're excited about that. And then, obviously, outside, uh, uh, we're going to do this. We've never done this, friends. We've never done this. So it's going to be like a family-style Easter service, and if we have people who want to get baptized, we'll baptize people, people, not bunnies, people, um, and uh, we're just going to have some fun. And then hopefully we're going to just stay in person from now on, and uh, we're praying, yes, we're praying that COVID numbers go down and, you know, vaccinations go up. So we're just excited about that. All right, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Hey, I feel like I want to pray with you guys in, right in the beginning. Can we do that? Let's yeah. do that. All right. Well, Father, we thank you so much for this time. God, I know that this is just a moment for all of us. God, to feel a sense of like we're coming back together and being in this space, in this place. And I know, God, that moments are special to you, God, where we feel like, oh, that you have allowed us to be here. You've got us this far. And it feels like one of those moments. Uh, Father, I know people who are joining online or watching this later on, they, they, have, uh, they have moments like that as well, where they feel like, God, you're doing a new thing in their life. And Father, I just believe that there's it's a new season right now we're entering into. And so, God, I pray that in, in light of all the uh, internal conversations that are going on, you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, well, a couple of weeks ago, we started a series called Reclaim, and we start off talking about this idea that uh, we need to really understand what our why is, like our life. Because sometimes, for some of us, we end up going a certain direction in our life, and uh, we just wake up one day and we go, how did I get here? Like, why am I here? And if you want to know where your life is going or where you are right now, you have to ask yourself, what have you been telling yourself? Like, what are the stories you've been telling yourself? And so the first week, I talked about this idea that stories actually determine the direction of our lives. So, like, your direction with God. is is determined by the story you're telling yourself about who God is and what he thinks about you. And so if you find yourself going further away from God, then it's connected to the story that you've been telling yourself about him and then last week, I talked about how, if we talk about the why, we have to talk about the what, like, what does it look like? And so as a church, I said, hey, the direction we're going is, is our why is that we exist to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. And it starts with retelling the story of God for all of us, that, that this so often, and we've we know this. So often we find ourselves going, man, what is Christianity up to? Like, what, Where have we come? What are we doing? And this this year has told us that, that there is a narrative, there's a story about the church that is not necessarily true, that we have to reclaim, that we are not like these people. We are this. We are about this. And so I'm pumped that in the midst of this pandemic, we as a church have been able to really lead the way in like, what are we trying to accomplish in terms of like talking about all the things that have been going on in our society, like just the issues that have been going on, the the race issues, the the pandemic issues, the highly politicized church issues, all of those things. I think we've been able to navigate that so well, focusing on what really matters. And so we talked about our why and our why is really important. I mean, if you're new here, you, you should know this. This is why we exist. We exist to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. We want to tell the story of God correctly. And then we want to know, we want to show what it looks like. And so last week we talked about the what. What does it look like? What does it look like is we see that when we gather together, when we come together, regardless if we're in a physical place or in an online space, we want to act a certain way together. We are becoming a church, in particular a church that's known by love, that's, um, sorry, 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 I'll start again. That's a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. I mean, that's kind of our thing. We want to be these three things. We want to live these out, a diverse community, unique people living by faith, being known by love, and being a voice of hope. And if we collectively move in that direction together, I truly believe we'll reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. I truly believe that. And so I talked about the what and the why, but today I want to talk about the how. Because this is Palm Sunday, and man, the how, it's so illustrated well in the story of Palm Sunday. The Palm Sunday is the story where Jesus uh, enters into Jerusalem and begins the week. Like he enters in, and it's kind of a unique experience because he, um, people like, uh, like are pretty excited uh, that he's, the, he's there, but then it turns dark. If you know, that starts off like the, by the end of the week, you have Good Friday, which he gets uh, arrested, and then torture starts, and then he gets crucified. And so the way he enters into a week is so important. Like, have you ever entered into a week really poorly? Have you? Like, you, like you go, okay, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week. And then Monday rolls around, and you're like, this sucks. Like, and then you, you say, you think, like, this whole week is going to go bad. Right? There's something inside of us we go, if we don't do it right, it's going to go bad. We at Mosaic, when we, st- when we gather together as a staff, um, as a volunteer staff, uh, we did it this morning, and we, we come together and we, 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 we remember, we engage, we believe in some things, and that's kind of our mantra, but we pray, and then after we pray, this is no, no joke, we pray and then everybody claps, and if we don't clap together, all of us, we're like, we, we jinx this. We jinxed this. we got to do it again. Now, we are not like superstitious people, but there have been times we have clapped like four times just to get it right. And it's so funny because we just feel like if we start off right, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Well, the way Jesus started off his week uh, is pretty interesting. And I want to dive into that because I think it kind of tells us um, and speaks to the how in our lives. Like, I'm all about the what and the why, as you know about your life. Like you need to know why you're moving in a direction. You need you to know what you're wanting to accomplish. But how you do it, how we live our lives is so important. How you treat people is so important. In fact, I think that it's the how affects us and we feel the how of people more than the what and the why. Right? Have you ever been treated poorly? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, okay. How, have you ever treated people poorly? Never, right? Someone... Are you, do you struggle with lying? Yes, okay. <laughs> We've done this. We, we the, in fact, the way, the, our opinion about people is connected to how they have, what, treated us. It's the how. You can meet, meet your hero, right, in whatever profession, and you, you, you're like, I'm so uh, excited about their why and their what, and I love what they do and they, what they stand for, and then you meet them and you're like, and they treat you horribly or treat you weird? And what what happens? Your opinion changes about them. The how is so important. And so today I want to talk about the how. Now, my kids, I have two teenagers, two teenagers, and it's been pretty exciting, uh, this pandemic. (laughs) It's been good. It's been good. It's been good. It's been, you know what, though? Um, uh, Honestly, though, I just so uh, feel for teenagers right now uh, during this pandemic. I mean, this has got to stink, right? This got to be, this is like their, 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 their education, just the fact that they, they can't, couldn't gather together. I mean, this has been really tough on them. And I've talked to some parents and I've, I mean, and with even my kids, I mean, they're changing in a different way, you know? And sometimes have you ever noticed, like if you're, if you're a parent or if you, if you work with kids, if you're a teacher or something, have you noticed that like you see a kid change and you're like, not for the best, you know? They seem more like, uh, more closed off and you're like, it breaks your heart. And so I really feel for for teenagers now because it's so tough. I mean, I know that it's it's affected all of us, but the amount of grief they've had, it's been tough. And when it comes to my kids, I just want to fix it, you know? That's what I want to do. I mean, I just want to fix it, and I can't fix it. And what I realize in my life is that I can't really save them from all the stuff that's going to happen to them. Like, I can't determine what is going to happen in their lives, but I can determine how they're going to go through it. And so during this pandemic and during all of these conversations about even uh, politics and race and all of those, it's the how we treat people or how we interact or how we respond to people is so important. So Ash and I have really been focused on instilling the how, because I cannot, I cannot uh, determine what is going to go on uh, in their lives. And I can't even give them the why they're going to do the things they're going to do. But I can influence how, how they will treat people. People who love them or uh, don't love them. People who annoy them. People who disagree with them. People who uh, bully them. I mean, I, I I can teach them how to navigate difficult difficult situations. I can teach them how to go through insecurity uh, well. I can I can I can. Uh, t- teach them how to navigate difficult decisions in their life. I can instill in them how to go through um, uh, just being a good steward of uh, some of the resources and maybe even the privilege that they have, uh, the, the, the riches that they have. How, how do you manage that? How do you man- manage the tension of like being in a space where you don't want to be, but you, you're doing the things you need to do right now to get to where you want to be? It's all connected to the how See, you and I have it as well. You do this as well. And some of you, you grew up with a how. And you grew up with a family culture that said, this is what? how we do stuff, right? This is how we celebrate. This is how we, um, uh, cel- uh, we go through holidays. This is how we navigate decisions. This is how we deal with issues. There are no issues, you know? <laughs> you know? This is how we, our family lives our life. And so the how becomes a very important part of the culture and the climate of our lives. It is amazing how, uh, how much it actually influences us. Your family has a culture around it. My family has a culture around it, and um, church has a culture around it as well. So when I came to Jesus, I came to Jesus one night in my room 20 years ago, okay? It's a whole thing. Uh, I wrote a book about it called Ex-Muslim. You can check it out. My family comes to Christ two years later. But but when I came to Jesus, though, I got to tell you, I came to Jesus before I came to church. Like, I met the person of God before I met the people of God. And after I met the people of God, I just wanted to go back. <laughs> no, 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 not really. Not really. I have thought about writing a book called Excursion. Right? That'd be good. But then people were like, this is confusing the junk out of me. What's going on? You know? So... But you know and I know that we, you meet a certain group and you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Because church has a culture. A particular church has a culture. So some of you, you this might be your first time visiting Mosaic in person. And there's a culture. Like there's a, there's like, there's a vibe, if you will, uh, about Mosaic. Either dig it or you don't. You, maybe you're joining online. You're like, oh, because we know people who are joining online. We have people internationally joining online. And they love us. They want to say this is our church. This is, this is my church. But there is a, there's, there's a vibe again. There's a thing that you felt. That thing is the how, is the intangible, is the in, in, invisible customs and rules in, in a sense. Like in the house, like when you walk in. Actually, the other day I had some guys over to my house. They, one guy walked in. He was like, shoes, no shoes. <laughs> I was like, shoes, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. Now, if I have, I've been places, like, they go, no shoes, no shoes. We're like, okay, no socks. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I'll just stay outside, okay? okay. But there's a custom, right? It's invisible rules, but you feel them. You sense them. You're like, ah, oh, this is what they're about. This is what they're about. You know, that idea is actually a Greek word called ethos. The word ethos is this culture. It's this characteristic spirit of a culture, it's the invisible rules that people follow, and they create a culture around them. It's the ethos of a place. It's connected to customs and vibe, and you feel it and all that, and Mosaic has it. The church as a whole has it, and then Jesus had it too, and unfortunately, the church and Jesus have two different ones. The church in, in a general sense, I mean, again, this is a broad, sorry, a broad statement, and, uh, but... I don't know if the church, the ethos of the global church and the ethos of Jesus is, is the same. You know, sometimes there's a, there's a total disconnect because he has a different kind of vibe, it seems like. And then you walk into some churches or you interact with some people and you're like, I don't know about this. And unfortunately, if you meet the people of Jesus who don't have the ethos and the values of Jesus, you end up rejecting Jesus. And that's the problem. And so, uh, hopefully, I want to have a conversation about why these values are so important. Because you're you're living out invisible values, and we, as a church, we gather together, we grow together. We live out invisible values as well. So let's jump into our passage here. This is Palm Sunday passage. If you're turning to it, it's found in Luke. This is Luke 19. So Luke 19. Is, is actually the, the account where Jesus kind of walks into Jerusalem. So it starts here. He says, as he came to the towns of Bethang and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead, he, and he said, go into the village over there. He told them, as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying that colt, just say, the Lord, what, needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, what, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. Now, it's, it's, it's really funny. I'm thinking, I should try this t- trick with things, right? That'd be hilarious, right? The Lord needs it. <laughs> the other day, I was at my barber's, and I parked uh, uh, next to a car, and I, I like cars, and, uh, uh, and this was an Austin Martin Vantage uh, 2021. If you don't know, James Bond. Uh, and it's, it was like, it was also wrapped in like matte black. It was just sick, Uh and I was just, like, drooling over this car, and, um, and I'm like, why is this car over here? Like, why, is, like, it shouldn't be here. And anyways, I walked in, I was getting my haircut, cut, and the, I was talking to the guy, I was like, hey, did you notice that Austin Martin, sweet Austin Martin back there? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you could probably look around and know whose car it is. And I was like, at first I was like, is this yours? Because I pay you too much for this, like, what? <laughs> like, what? And he was, just look around. And I, said, I looked around, and I'm like, who? I don't know. There were people there. And he was like, that guy. Uh, hello. And he was pointing at a Panther player. Okay, here's, and then he said this. He said, you don't follow sports, do you? And I was like, no. <laughs> he was like, OK. All right. It's so and so. And I still don't know who, who he is, friends. I still don't know. <laughs> Panther player. All right, great. I'm like, oh, OK, OK, OK. So here's what I'm trying to do. I think I want to do. Next time I get my haircut, I'm going to go up to his car. I'm going to try to break into his car. And if he says, why are you doing it? I, what am I going to say? The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. For what? I don't know. But the Lord needs it. I don't think it's going to work. It's going work. But here's what's interesting about this story. If you're the owner of that donkey, right, and you woke up that morning, it's, it's going to be a good, great Monday, right? It's going to be a great Monday, I think it's interesting how, um, for him, it would, be, it would have been a great Monday. Maybe you said, thank God, I just, want, I just want to be used by you. You never speak to me. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not doing anything in my life. I'm doing my stuff, and I'm not really uh, doing anything that affects your kingdom. And then these two guys come in, they're they're messing with his stuff, his property. And at that moment, when they're, they're doing that, and when they say the Lord needs it, maybe he thought, Oh, this is God. Oh, this is it. This is the answer to my prayer. See, sometimes I, I, your obedience, and when you act it out, is actually an answer to someone else's prayer. It's the craziest thing, about how God works. And this is how he works. See, he could have just chosen to do, miraculously, bring a donkey to him. He could have done a lot of things different. Have you noticed that? that God could have made, a, for, for just for himself, a lot of things easier. Like he didn't have to say, go to the guy and do this and do that. and that. He could have made things so much easier, but he insists on, on, on using us as vessels. He insists on using us because it seems like he has a value to use the human spirit to interact with spirituality and to, to be able to hear him and partner with him to actually make a difference in the world. It's the how God moves in your life. So God does speak, even if it's, something happening to your property even, and saying, God says, this is it. This is your chance. This is it. Because the guy doesn't even argue. He just goes, okay, that's it. It happens. So there's so much how. So then what happens? They, so they, they put their coats on him and on the donkey, and they bring it to Jesus and all that. And then it says here, as we pick it up, he says, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a phrase in Hebrew, pretty, uh, pretty popular. It says, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, which is a very, um, um, that was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just want to say that. It's actually a song, so that's why I know it. Anyways. Um, but, but, but to say Baruch Habah B'Shem Adonai is actually reciting uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel in the Old Testament where it says the Messiah is going to come and people will say this phrase to him. So it was very intentional, okay? And so they said this. They said this. And then it, it kept on going. It says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And then what happened? Some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like this. Why? Because that was a phrase. You don't use that for anyone who comes in. No, you don't do that. It is a very particular phrase. And they were like, they blasphemed. Because they're basically saying, rebuke them because you, my friend, are not the Messiah. And somehow the followers were like, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah and so what happens there how does Jesus respond to this does he respond to like you know what you're you guys are never gonna get it or he goes I am the Messiah darn it like I am the guy I am the guy because why is it the other guys they understand why do why don't you not get it wait wh- how does he act in this moment again the how well let's read as he, as he came, um, no. then he said this. He replied. He said, if, if, they, if they kept quiet, the stones among the roads would burst into tears. He said, there's something about creation that understands in, in, in one moment that this is a divine moment. And it, 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 you can't help it. All of creation wants to sing praises to the one that's created it. And so, again, they're, they don't, they're not understanding this, right? And some people seem to be understanding it. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to what? Weep. Weep. Let me read this again. As he got closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Now, I don't know about you, but let's just admit this. We thought there was only one verse in the Bible that talked about Jesus weeping. And it said, and Jesus wept. That is the only verse that most of us know. Partly because this uh, passage, the Palm Sunday passage people preach mostly, is not from Luke. They preach it from Matthew. Matthew replaces just uh, the, the, the coats or cloaks with palm branches. So in some gospel accounts, there are two things. There are these garments and there are palm branches, In this account, it's not. And in Matthew's account, he does not mention what happened in this moment. But in this moment, Luke goes, I remember this. He stopped and he began to weep. Other translation says he was overcome with grief. He was like, like, again, he reacts to honor and praise and criticism with a sense of compassion and goes, my heart is breaking. It's breaking and he's weeping. See, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus cried a lot. And I know it's so, it sounds weird to say that, but this man was not afraid to cry. He was moved by compassion so many times. In fact, there's another passage of scripture where he's walking along and there's a funeral going on and there's a mom, he notices the mom and the son is dead he, he, and, he, and he, he stops and he's overcome with the same idea, the same word play here with grief. Like he has a moment, he tears up and he goes, I can't and he just stops and he goes, he says, I gotta, I gotta do something and he heals him and, and brings him back to life. Lazarus is not the only one. So there is a God out there who, again, sees you, us, sees humanity, and that's how He responds. There's a how to Jesus. There was an ethos about Jesus, and then what He said. He began to weep, and this is what He said. He said, "How I wish today that all of that you of all people would understand the way of peace." But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. And then he keeps on going. and Basically, he's saying, he's lamenting. He's like, Out of, uh, because I stepped into this group of people, Jewish people, I wish you of all people would understand who would get this peace. And peace, in, honestly, in the Middle East has, is still elusive, isn't it? It's so strange. But this is how God reacts. Why does he do that? Why did he do that? I don't don't know. I don't know. Why did he allow certain things? But I think what we can learn is that the how we live our lives, if it's not connected to the values of Jesus, will end up creating a different kind of ethos in our lives and even in our church. And so if you don't clarify the values of your family, of your friends, you're going to create a climate around you an ethos around you which which is going to affect everything you do and if it's a church if we don't wherever we are sitting or watching or listening to this later on if we don't collectively clarify our values and go this is what this is this stuff is important to us if we don't do that we will create a culture that is opposing Jesus it will be like People talk about, you know, they read uh, Old Testament or, or, sorry, New Testament and Old Testament prophecy, and they talk about the Antichrist, They like, the Antichrist is going to come, and they always put it in as a person, like this person is an Antichrist, this person is going to be the Antichrist. Have you also noticed it's always political figures? Like, like I don't know why, people always go, that guy, this person. I I think it's deeper than that, friends. The spirit of Antichrist is bigger than the person of Antichrist. The anti-Jesus. And unfortunately, I'll say this right now, and please don't mishear me. I feel like the church does more Antichrist things than the Antichrist. Like Satan just does what he does. He's like, this is me. This is how I roll. This is my flow. The church goes, no, 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 we're amazing, we're loving, we're, we, we accept everybody, but not you. Uh, we, we're great about, not you, not you, you're going to hell. Okay, it's the anti-Christ. So we got to move, we, gotta, we have to pay attention to the values of our collective gathering. Like we have to, have to, have to. So let me give you a couple of ones that you have actually felt at Mosaic and the ones that we will protect and protect and protect. Why? Because we are trying to be a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and it's a voice of hope. And why we're doing this is because we want to reclaim the message in the movement of Jesus. And we believe we can do this as a family. We can do this as a church family. So let me give you a couple. Okay, the first one you felt is a culture of kindness and compassion. There, it's unseen. It's not written. We don't have it on the wall somewhere. Well, besides this wall. But we don't have it. We, 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 don't, put, we don't put, have you noticed like uh, uh, um, organizations, when you go into an organization, they have their value statements. Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. It's like everything we don't do. Like this is, this is it. You know, <laughs> that we do sometimes, you know. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen even um, families, like they'll come in and they have a they have like these, these, like this is what we do, like five things or 10 things we all do. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's, I think it's great. But I think it's more profound to like embody them than to write them down somewhere. And so this is what you felt. You felt a culture of kindness and compassion. And compi- com- kindness is very different from being nice. Uh, being nice is, I'll treat you like the way uh, you wanna, uh, that I want to be treated. Kind of like the golden rule kind of a situation, okay? Kindness says, I'll treat you the way God treats you, regardless of how you treat me, and regardless of how I feel I want to be even treated. No, no, I'll just treat you how God treats you. That's kindness. And so at, at Mosaic, we say, hey, we have a culture of kindness, we treat people, we, we value the human presence, not just God present, the human presence, because the human presence is divine. Like you are a person, you are not a product. You don't do things for me, you are things for me. It's important, it's a culture of kindness. And then compassion. Compassion is very important as well. And we've, you've seen this lived out here among us. Compassion is different from pity. Do you know that? Pity says, I'm on a different level, I will have pity for you. Pity says, we have resources, you don't, we're going to come and save you. Pity says, I'm never in that condition, I'll never be in that condition, I don't even want to be in that condition, and I will just give resources, or I'll give this, but I will not give my heart or emotion to you. I will only, the only emotion I'll give you is pity. And sometimes the church is comfortable with pity. That's not Jesus. I'll tell you why he's not Jesus. Jesus. Because God could have had pity on us and saved us. He had compassion to become like us. And live in with us. Compassion says this, I am just like you. I'm just like you. And because of that, when I help you, when I provide for you, I'm just saying, there's no difference. There's no difference. You and I are the same. I know we look different. I know we believe different. Okay, I know that you annoy me, and I know I annoy you. I get that. But there's some humanity between us, and we agree. We're in this together. I'm not have pity for you. No, 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 no. No, I have compassion for you. And that's how you feel at Mosaic. This idea of like, hey, you're, you're, you're invited too. You're invited. And I'm, let me just tell you right now, there are people who have told me, hey, why are these kinds of people at Mosaic? And it's on either side. I'm like... I'm like, because we are a mosaic, like I can't change the name. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't. Like that's the, that's the whole point. And see, here's the thing. It's not like that everyone should be just like us. I, no, no, no. I think, I think denominations and diversity is all fun and games. We just know that we have to have these gatherings of myths and weirdos and awesome people and all these things and all that. I just bring them here, right? And then we'll... This is like a big social experiment, okay? <laughs> Hopefully nothing blows up. I shouldn't have said that. I'm Middle Eastern. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay, moving on. Kindness. <laughs> kindness and compassion. All right. So kindness and compassion says that we are courageous and we're caring. We're courageous and we're caring. That when you fall... Um, from whatever, we are a soft place to land because we choose to be a soft place to land. Now, we're not a harsh place to land. We're a soft place to land. Um, number two, we are a culture of creativity and excellence or excellence and creativity. Um, so I grew up in the Middle East, like I mentioned recently, right? Uh, and I actually grew up sweeping sand. I don't know if you guys know this. This is not like a Zen uh, garden situation, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, I feel, no, no, no. No, no, mom was like, hey, we got people coming over, start sweeping everything. And we were, I would sweep sand. I would, because part of our house was just whatever. Okay, we didn't live all that great in in Kuwait. And we would sweep sand. And instilled in us as Fossils was that it doesn't matter how little you have, you take excellent care of it. And so early on, like, I would drive junkers around, and my dad were like, you got to take care of it. Whatever you have, I mean, this you have two pairs of jeans, you take care of it. You, you, whatever you have, you don't wait till you get something good and then you start taking care of it. You take excellent care of it. And see, the spirit of excellence you see here is we don't have all the resources and all that. We just take, we're trying to be the best stewards of it. It's the, that's the spirit of excellence. It's not perfection. No, 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 no. Perfection means get the best. No, we're like, we're going to take, take care of it the best, whatever it is. Whatever it is. So you've seen our mosaic. We, we, we paint stuff and we create stuff. Why? Because when you, when you decide that you're going to be, you're going to take a junker and you're going to make something beautiful out of it, creativity sparks. Why? Because you're taking excellent care of the stuff. So you and I have to have a spirit of excellence. Don't instill in your loved ones a spirit of, no, no, no. When you get something really expensive, you need to take care of it. But if it's cheap, just treat it Cheap. Because here's what happens. What happens is you'll do that with people. They're like, they are beneficial to me. They'll get me places. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And so and so, well, I'm glad you're here too, whatever. That's what the scriptures say. Treat everybody the same. In fact, You know that in the scriptures, Jesus says, Hey, on the last day, there'll be like, He's he's, he's telling a story, and He says, The last day, here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna go, I'm gonna separate people. And people are gonna be like, Why are we on this side and they're on this side? And why are they better than us, in a sense? And He goes, Well, they treated uh, the poor a certain way, they treated the widow a certain way, they took care of people. And then He says a statement He says, The way you treat the least among you is the way. The, the best. Like if you, the, you'll be judged by the way, way you treat the least important person in your life. That is the spirit of excellence. So we have that as well. We try that. The third one is a spirit, a culture of, a culture of uh, expectancy and spirituality. A culture of expectancy. Here at mosaic. You know, we try to be organized, we try to be all these things, but man, I love the fact that as a church and even as a family, we have a spirit of that that says, you know what, I, I think uh, I think anything can happen. I think that we bring a certain amount of resources and a certain amount of plans, but God can do whatever he wants to do. God can change things around. Like, have you noticed something? Have you noticed something? If you've been to Mosaic... Um, at all, uh, but if you've been here for a long time, I mean, I look around, and if I can see some people, I, I see a couple right here, Alicia and Jeff. They've been here for, oh my gosh, 15 years? Yes. I married them off. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I work out with their kid. <laughs> he beats me, whatever. Uh, but, I mean we've been saying for 15 years you guys can testify to this or from from the beginning we end our services with one particular passage ephesians 3 20 and 21 it's not because we don't read other more any other scriptures like we haven't found another one we're like is this it this is the only bible scripture no it's the one it's the one that continually reminds us now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we can ask or imagine, through his power that works within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever. Why do we say this? Because we say, we have to remind ourselves, and we have a culture of this in Mosaic, is that if we, make all, if we get, have a planning retreat, a creative meeting, and we come up with all of the prayers that we need to pray about God for, the, for a situation, if we do all of those things, And bring them to God and says, hey, hey, would you provide this? He says he's able to do immeasurably more than that. Like his imagination is greater than us. How he's going to bring everything around is so much more complicated and so much more excellent than we could ever imagine. So you and I have to have a spirit of expectancy, a spirit of expecting God to move in your life. And for some of us, this pandemic has done one thing and one thing alone. You're expecting bad things to happen. You're just expecting bad things to happen. And I get it, I get it. I get that. I mean, my family went through a couple of years of just loved ones dying every year. And I've lost people through this pandemic. And I've had conversations with family members and we're like, I just, and the, and the conversation went like this. I just don't want another person to die. I get that. I get that. I get that. But we have to have a value of, hey, God can do miracles. God, God can still move in the midst of this. We have to value that. If we don't value it, we'll live our lives with, with no sense of excitement or joy or faith. Let me give you the last one. It's the, gen, it's the culture of generosity and servitude. The culture of generosity and servitude. And they are linked You feel this at Mosaic. We have one of the most generous people. You guys are the most generous people I know. And it's not just money because you're the richest people or something like that. No, no, no. It's you're just generous with your time and your emotions. You're generous with your uh, uh, gifts. You're you're generous with your giving. You're you're just generous people. And we want to be more and more generous people. Like I live off, let me just tell you right now, and every pastor, Will not admit. They'll admit this, but it's it's a it's a fact. Pastors live off live off the generosity of other people. Yep. Yep. I live off the generosity. I don't I don't sell a product. I live off of generosity of people. That means I have to be the most generous among you. Like that is like that's huge. That's huge. I live off. A church happens because you guys serve. That means, like, my, like, people serve all the, like, this is a nonprofit organization. I don't pay volunteers. Don't get any, idea, any ideas. Don't get any ideas, okay? <laughs> you serve. So I have to embody servanthood. Like, this is important stuff. It's a value that we have to have, that I have to have. See, one thing I love about this culture, I'll tell you this, okay? I love about this country is this idea of capitalism. Okay, let me just, let me uh, explain. Let me finish my thought. Here's why I love it. I love it because at at its best, at its best, at its best, it creates enterprise, creativity, freedom. But at its worst, at its worst, it, it it breeds individualism, consumerism, and greed. And when capitalism comes into the church, unfortunately, it does more worse than it does the best. It's not the best of it, it's the worst of it. When it does that in a country, and it's the worst of it, not the best of it, we see people suffering. And so it's not the problem of that, it's the value of how we do this. We have to be it's how we use certain tools. It's how we use certain um, ideas and concepts. It's how we use certain policies. Because for some of us, we just throw away whatever. No, no, no. That's why you don't throw away church. You don't throw away services. You don't throw away. No, no, no. It's how we do it. And the culture of generosity says, it demands, it says, I will go after Greed. I will go after consumerism. I will go after being individualistic. I'll do that. Do you know, if you read the scriptures, in Jesus' teaching, okay, try to find it yourself. In Jesus' teaching, success, right, success in God's kingdom cannot be experienced by one person alone. It's always talked as a group there's always corporate success there's always a corporate idea of like okay because in God's kingdom if you're successful and the people around you are not you're not successful in God's family unit if you are successful and your family's not successful you're not successful No, you're extremely rich and influential but you're not because because if you were at Jesus why he would say well because the first will be last and the last will be first Because the greatest among you is the servant among you. And God's kingdom is switched. And so I'll practice this, and we practice this spirit of this culture of generosity and servitude is because what we do is we make sure that we understand that it's the people around us. It's us giving, that we get more by giving things away. So let me ask you this as we close, okay? What is the culture around you, your family? Do you guys have a value system? Because you do. You do. You have an ethos. You have a vibe. You have a climate around you. As a person, you have a climate around you. The people who interact with you at work or at a gym or any, anywhere, you, there are certain kind of people that kind of orbit around you. They orbit around you because they, they either like your vibe or their culture or they don't like it. They gather around you. What are those people? So if you find yourself, you're like, why do I date losers? Well, I mean I mean love you but yeah you we 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 have we have an ethos around us the church has an ethos around us it is so important how how we live our lives how you treat people how you respond to things it's so so important i have this one saying written in my office, and it says this. It says, I just wrote it down really big, okay, because I need it for me. I I, I put down. I said, we create what we tolerate. And I was like, this is, I was like, I will create what I tolerate, and I will tolerate what I create. I have got to make sure, I have got to make sure that I'm creating the right culture, the right value system in my life. And if I don't, If I and if I if I just tolerate bad attitude, if I just tolerate how my kids treat people, then I create those kinds of kids. I can't. Hey, this wasn't fair. I know. I I, yeah yeah. But how you treat them, how you navigate this, how you go through this is so important, man. That will change the view of so many people when it comes to church. How we do this, so that's my prayer. That's my prayer for us as we go into Easter, as we start back a new, a new season of coming together. Man, we are committed to our mission, vision, values, and you are committed to establishing your mission, vision, values in your life because it matters. It so matters. So how do you how do you treat the people around you? And lastly. How do you treat the God that is for you? For some of you, you treat Him like you just like keep Him far off. You're like, ah, I'm not. how do you, how do you, how are you treating God in the midst of this? I don't know this confusion. You, you maybe you know someone has told you like, I need you need to go see a counselor, and it's 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 God's voice for you, but you're like not listening. And what you're doing is you're just pushing God to the side. You're like, oh, this is how. And God is trying to speak and use other people to help you, and you're just like, nah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I got this. Because you were taught, like, this is how, you fix things by yourself. This is how you were taught, you were raised like that, and it just doesn't work, it doesn't work. So how are you treating what God's doing in your life? And my prayer is that we would have the courage uh, to, to do the things we, some of us already know, and then also the, just the insight to see God moving in our lives. Cool? Well, let's stand. Let's pray together. Oh, man. All right. Well, Lord God, we come before you. And we thank you. We're so grateful that you are in our lives. You're in the midst of us. And we're so grateful for that. Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to us. God, as we are watching and listening, and you know, we're e- that we, got you, you, you're doing something. You prompted something. You put a thought in us today that we just need to look at. We have to remember our values. The how is so important. God, for some of us, it's like we, we are in the right when it comes to the situation, and we know why it's, so, why it's so important, but, God, how to have this conversation is tough. God, I pray to these values of kindness, of um, excellence, God, of, of expectancy, of generosity would invade us. God, that's my prayer over all of us. That we would be um, servants to the people around us. That, God, that we would expect you to move supernaturally. That, God, that we would we would open our eyes to the possible ways, the creativity that's all around us. And God, that you would use us to be the most compassionate people. Father, we love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.